As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Episode 103 of the Keith Law Show. I'm going to be joined today by longtime friend, author, journalist, podcaster, and general man about town, Will Leach. We're going to talk about the there's a baseball team in St. Louis, and I guess they have some old players of note. Um, he has some thoughts on that. I, I guess I'll have to ask him who he's talking about exactly. Um, we'll also talk about his last book, his upcoming book due out in May, and some movie stuff. In the meantime, uh, for subscribers to The Athletic, I had a post up last week, my annual look at players I was wrong about. I will have two posts coming up this week. I'm working on a recap of this weekend's uh, New Balance Future Stars main event. It's a high school showcase for top players for next year's draft. Uh, and there were some pretty interesting names there, including Zion Rose, if you follow the draft going forward. And I understand a lot of people wait until the draft is a lot closer. But if you're looking for next year, catcher Zion Rose was one of the best players there. Very, very interesting two-way player who I believe is going to IMG Academy in Florida next year, which has a pretty good track record of producing high picks. And then I believe later this week, we're going to run my annual minor league player of the year column, which is more performance-based than scouting-based. Um, I do try to balance these things a little bit. We'll obviously give more credence to a player who's performing while younger, but uh, it is a bit more uh, separate from how I typically do my player rankings, for example. And finally, for those of you who follow for board game content, I believe this week my next review will go up over at Paste for the game Wormholes, which is a very light family game uh, with a cool space theme where it's, uh, if you follow, if you're a gamer at all, it's a pickup and delivery game where you, as you go, plant or create little wormholes on the board so you can zip back and forth faster. Great game, I think, to play with younger kids. Well, now it is my pleasure to be joined by three-time guests and 
author and newsletter writer and journalist and all the things, podcaster also, Will Leach. He's done a ton of things. I will mention now he wrote a great book that came out last year. Was it really that long ago? Uh, May 21. May 21. Called How Lucky, a novel that I highly, highly recommend. It was robbed for the Pulitzer Prize, if you ask me. (laughs) I know there's a new book coming. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Will. Thank you for being on yet again three times. Of course, it's my honor to to, to be on to be the first third time guest on the show. Yeah. Uh, speaks uh, highly to for me and poorly for the show. Well, it, it means I don't know that many people. Clearly, <laughs> so I just keep coming back to. Uh, right. Let me just call Will again. I've yeah. got a little. I do a lot of different things, so I can yeah. come by and talk about. Uh, there you go. I saw you had Group McGerson on my uh, fellow podcaster. I did. Yeah. I saw he was on, and uh, you guys made the connection between covering a film f- festival and covering uh, and, and covering like a minor league, uh, uh, going out and scouting on the road. Which yes, that was really interesting. Yeah, trying to yeah. pick my spots, and do yeah. I go here, and do I go here? And I used to do more of those events where it was a lot of decision making too now i'm just you know more it's like i go to one minor league game tonight and you just live with it you didn't see the other guy you'll see him again or maybe you will maybe he'll have tommy john you'll never see him again so, i, I yeah. loved that podcast it was like the perfect the I'm, i feel like i'm the one crossover person that right. really cares <laughs> just as much about memoria and gunner henderson it's very very exciting <laughs> it was actually gratifying <laughs> to me how many people liked <laughs> That I was making that connection because I was like, "This is niche, right? This is pretty niche." But <laughs> I was also, happy. But I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. By the way, you just saw Memoria. I have not seen Memoria. Yeah. It keeps moving, right? Yes. I just like I can't catch it, right? It's just like they're yeah, trying you got to one keep week, one yeah, step ahead one of the feds or something. Exactly. Yes. They're like Pokemon. Yes, yeah, right. Got to catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's every time you look, it's elusive. Yeah, it's a great yeah. movie called Memoria. It's got t- Memoria. It's got Tilda Swinton. Uh, it was Grierson's best movie of the year last year. It is uh, very. It is the one. It's a movie that's very much about ambient sound it's one of those movies that when you go when you leave you all of a sudden every sound that you hear in nature Mm -hmm. feels like very profound and deep in your mind so it's a a very specific movie theater experience it would not work streaming so well this is why isn't this their argument why they have not released it anywhere Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I do have a critic screener. I've never <gasps> watched it. I do have one. They did send them out, but uh, it feels it feels like obscene to do that to them. Oh yes, it yeah. might be worth something. There's only a few of those in the yeah. world. Yeah. Like, should... like, I actually I actually know some guy who uh, got a screener for that Louis C.K. movie. Oh yes. Right before he uh, uh, all of his stuff happened, and then never got a release. Right. And so like eight people have those. And he's like, wow, this is valuable, and he went on eBay. It's like I can't get anyone a bit more than two bucks on Right, thing. no, exactly. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. Maybe yes. it's not a collection. It's also like covered in fentanyl or something, right? Yeah. So nobody yeah. wants to touch yeah. it. Yes. Exactly. So, about cops everywhere. Um, I hear you're a fan of the Cardinals. Do I, I have am. that correct? That was in the Bo- press notes here. Both the St. Louis and the Arizona. And varieties. the Arizona, right? The buzzsaw. Yeah. I'm probably more into the St. Louis variety. Certainly. Yeah, well, I hear they've had some things happen. It's been exciting. Uh, certainly, it's been an exciting month to say the least. You know, uh, I will be there this weekend uh, in uh, in St. Louis. My I, my father and I are going. There is no way that we could not go uh, to see this. You know, I was talking a little bit. Actually, talked about this on the Grierson Leach podcast this week with Tim, just about you know. We could talk about the Cardinals and talk about the special relationship that those three players, I'm including Wainwright in it, even though he's not officially announced he's retiring. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's retiring or not. Um, I would say if Wainwright were to retire, it would be a very Adam Wainwright thing to do, to say Mm -hmm. nothing about it while everyone talks about Yachty and Pujols the entire time and then announce. And also he's got a dead arm right now and has had really five very difficult uh, starts in a row. So it would be another reason to think about it. So I'm just kind of, whether Wainwright comes back or not, I'm going into the idea that it's clearly the end of something of the the three of those guys. I was talking to my dad about it and, and Tim about it as well. 
I mean, one of the things I love about baseball, uh, sports in general, but really baseball is the, is, is the best example of this. Like Albert Brawls is playing. He started in his first game was in April 2001. I know. Now, I don't know where you were in April 2001, Keith, but I was <laughs> in a very, very different place than where I am right now. As I assume almost everyone in the world other than Albert Pujols. Right. Who is, still who is right back where he was, actually. Yeah, and there's really out. something kind of remarkable about that to think, you know, I remember – that spring training uh, when that, you know, because one of the things about that was right after um, um, McGuire had, had kind of had his run mm-hmm. and the Cardinals had that tooth. They just had the explosion of Ankeel in the playoffs and right. then all the big emotion that came with that. And so in 2001, uh, they'd signed Bobby Bonilla. That was the big thing. They'd signed Bobby Bonilla. That uh, I forgot. To, to fill in. Yep. They signed yep. Bobby Bonilla to play left field and or third base. <laughs> And uh, that was the idea. They just wanted that veteran guy. LaRusso wanted a veteran. They needed that did. extra vet. Yeah. And and it was funny because Pujols, who just the year before had been known as Jose Pujols, he was Jose oh Pujols in yeah. 2000. He switched it right at the end of the 2000 season. Uh, he was kind of chubby. He was from the Dominican, yeah. but he was actually through Kansas City. Right. He actually like played Kansas City Junior College. And he showed up, and you know he was never on any prospect list. You know how different prospects lists were in 2000. Than he was an A ball. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like yeah, he would he have was just so- been. Especially the way the industry was then, he would have yeah. just been popping up. Like people would have said, "Oh, this guy's interesting. Keep an eye on him for like 2002, 2003, maybe." Yeah, and then he made the club. And that was the thing that was so funny is he showed up in spring training, and it was really just like one of those, "Hey, let's get this kid. Let him be around the big leaguers for a yeah. while, and let him uh, go in and do that." And he just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And they kept talking to Larusa, and Larusa's like, "I know you're all excited about this guy. He is 20 years old. He is not going to break club." The big this is not right. It's not, not going to happen. And he kept hitting, kept hitting. He's like, "I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. I know you want it, of and course." Very imp- and every to every test that I want him to pass, he is passing, but he's still not going up with the team. And then Bonilla got hurt. And then Bonilla uh. got hurt. <laughs> Bonilla got hurt, and he needed that spot. So, and of course, now I don't know if there would have been service time manipulation now, or at least a couple of years ago. Certainly, it was not a thought in 2000 until uh, 2001. So he just kind of got called up, and by May. Lewis was like, this is the best player I've ever managed in my entire career. Yeah. Like, it was really remarkable. <laughs> fell from the sky. He fell from the sky. You know, and I, in March 2001, I I'd crapped out in New York City and had to move. I, I'd taken a bus from Effingham, Illinois, with my cat in a suitcase back to New York, and I'm couch surfing. And here today, I'm, well, I'm still sitting on a couch. But otherwise, things have changed rather dramatically. And I there's something remarkable about that. Obviously, Molina and Wainwright as well. But the idea that a baseball career lasts so long and the lives within it change so much, it's so hard to find constant things like that. And Pujols obviously went to Anaheim for 10 years. But, I mean, really, the, you know, the, as a baseball player, as a senior, we've been talking about Albert Pujols one way or another, Cardinal fans and everyone, for a large majority of our lives in a way that, that right. really kind of blows me away. It's one of the things I really kind of love about baseball. Yeah, it's 20 20- 22 years right so this is 22nd season am i doing the math correctly that is like also kind of horrifying right at that point (laughs) like i think you know my daughter was not even like several years away from being born at that point yeah i did not that's a year before i started working full-time in baseball so yeah Yeah. i was in a very different place physically professionally everything 
And yeah. I love it. And you know, so for me to be able to go with my father, who was, you know, I mean, was taking me to see Ozzy Smith, Willie McGee, and Vince Coleman when I was, you know, eight years old, mm -hmm. to be able to have that experience with him, you know, I had just moved to New York City at that time and so i was looking for any connection to home that i could find so sure. we, i would find someone with a cell phone that had a long distance plan and talk to my dad on sundays about uh, about this new guy that was popping up and so mm -hmm. it really is just kind of a wonderful thing to be able to be there and it's going to be i think the, if the cardinals do not lose uh both games against the brewers they will have clinched the central because of the tiebreaker they're the imagine will be one but they've got the tiebreaker if they win one of the two games so there won't be anything to literally play for. The Cardinals have a lot to like build. They have a lot to figure out before the playoffs start. Right. But I think it's going to be really kind of wonderful to really have this last weekend. You know, the, the, the it is the final weekend. I supposed to be the final weekend of the year. They end up having three games in Pittsburgh afterward. But to have this last time, I know people make fun of the Cardinals, and I understand it, and I get it. I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. But at a certain level, it is you know, I think th three of the five oldest players in baseball are on the Cardinals and will have their numbers retired by the Cardinals. Like that is a very specific thing. It's part of the brand, right? Yeah. And on, on on opening day, the Cardinals bring back everyone that's in the hall in the Cardinals Hall of Fame right. from from Bruce Souter to Jason Isringhausen right. to Scott Rowland to everyone that's ever done it and they and to Joe, Joe Torre even and they all come back and they celebrate their their history and they do that like, some teams do that. The Yankees do that well, the Red Sox do that well. But it's a very specific thing in St. Louis, and so for for Pools to be able to come back, and obviously Wainwright and and Molina, it's uh, it's going to be a pretty emotional time, and should speak to a pretty interesting shift to where the Cardinals are going after this, because uh, now it's going to be young guys that uh, they keep that, that they're going to they're going to have to prove. I mean, listen, Pools has been this run has been great, but mm -hmm. I mean, he's been their best hitter for for about a month. I mean, yes. like, that's not <laughs> ideal uh, when he's been their best right. hitter. For, so <laughs> that's I, the other way to look at it. Yeah, yes. he's, he's been awesome. But right. he's also that means that other guys have been faltering. Some of the young guys have been stepping up. The pitching has been helpful. The Brewers kind of collapse has helped out yep. a lot in that. But uh, to have a pennant chase uh, while this is happening uh, is, is exciting. But it certainly it ra now we have to after the series is next weekend, everyone gets back to oh right. So there's uh, playoff games coming up, and now we have to get very serious and right. bring out the rotation and do all the grown up stuff. It's gonna be one last weekend to kind of say goodbye. I think. Yep, it's interesting too because right, Ray, Wainwright obviously they got him in a trade from Atlanta, but he has his entire major league career was with the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Yachty, Cardinals from day one. And Albert Pujols, we're just going to pretend he never played for anybody but the Cardinals. <laughs> I think the Angels actually may actually be uh, generally supportive of that notion. Yes, time. they would less definitely love to <laughs> love to say, especially the contract, if they could get even yeah. a partial refund on that, I think they'd be okay. And it's funny too, you know, I think a thing that gets lost a little bit because people are like, because I've heard a lot of like kind of revisionist history. Sure. The idea of, well, the Cardinals should have, this is the proof that the Cardinals should have never let him go. And there's like, first off, I do think he would have, um, I think it, it might have gone better for him than it did in Anaheim if he would stayed in St. Louis, but not dramatically better and certainly not better enough. Like one of the reasons the Cardinals were able to extend Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina to where they played their entire careers Cardinals is because they didn't have to pay Albert Pujols right. $30 million a year. And so it's really kind of worked out in like a perfect way. But the idea, I think there's been this notion too that like, well, the Cardinals were so smart. They jumped off of Pools at the exact right time. The Cardinals were devastated that they lost Albert Pools. They desperately wanted him to stay. I think that like that speaks to, I think history has proven the idea that maybe the Cardinals ownership group has been a little bit more prudent and wise than the Angels uh, ownership group over the last 10 years. So I think that's worked out a little bit. But really it's, it's not signing Pools. 
we, they've missed him for the last 10 years. I actually feel pretty fortunate. He remember the, it was about four years, three years ago when Pujols played his first games in St. Louis with Anaheim. There was a scheduling quirk that it took him seven years. Oh, I'm, glad right. he didn't, yeah. I'm glad he didn't play the first year because he might have gotten booed. <laughs> like yeah, people, right. were real, people were still really upset. By the time that he got back seven years, everyone just kind of appreciated it. And then just honestly, like, you know, to see him work, put on that uniform for the first time in a spring training game was Cardinal fans collectively were like, if he bets 189, with three homers and only pinch hits at the end of games, we're totally fine with using that as a roster spot right. all year. And yeah. so to see what's happened happened is uh is, is pretty terrific. So are you do you feel and feel free to just answer strictly as a Cardinals fan. I know it's you do what I do, right? You oh, you're sure. like, you know, I can yes. be a fan. For me it's more of players versus yeah. no, here's my rational brain. I'm gonna answer like that. Right. Do you look at this as we really got to win this year because we're turning it over, and it's not the it's not that the rest of the roster is bad. Obviously, right. it's not, but it's not the same. It's not the same group of guys. They're going to be banking a lot on you know. We're, I thought Dylan Carlson was going to take a step forward this year. He did not. Tyler O'Neill was so valuable last year, and I think we all knew he was going to take a step back. He took right. a huge step back this year. They traded Harrison Bader. They finally just gave up on that. You know, I wouldn't say experiment because he was very good at one point. Of course, who knew what, you know, nobody realized they were getting the, the best, what, <laughs> two months of Jordan Montgomery's <laughs> life. <laughs> but how do you, how are you looking at just, again, fan fandom-wise, how are you looking to this postseason? Is it like, we got to win? Or, oh my God, this is amazing. I'll take whatever I can get out of this group of guys who are as old as we are. Actually, they're not worried. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> um, I think that, honestly, them winning the division... Uh, they needed to do something. Like there was a stretch before they made this run after the trade deadline, mm-hmm. where you wonder where they were they're going to make the playoffs. At yeah, all. yeah. And that that would have been the worst case scenario to to get well, what's really been a terrific year from Wade Wright until the last month uh, and pools to 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 have him on the year. It would have felt more. It would have made the moves feel cynical rather than uh, sure. than historical. It made it feel like, oh, you know, they're not really going to invest in the roster. They're not really going to trade for Soto, uh, but they're going to bring back, you're going to sell tickets by bringing back this, uh, this these last three guys to say goodbye, uh, but not actually do anything to invest in the team. And I think the trade, the, the, listen, the trade deadline moves, for all the talk, I mean, it's amazing how much, if you read all the recaps uh, um, after the trade deadline, it was the Cardinals, once again, did not do what it took right. to get Juan Soto. Yep. And they it was the second straight de- trade deadline where they got exactly what they needed. They were more ambitious this time, mm-hmm. getting Quintana and Montgomery. Uh, but certainly, that's what switched everything. They desperately needed pitching. They didn't get, like Bader, giving up on Bader, I think, was a little frustrating. I think they were expecting, listen, Carlson is not as good a center fielder as Bader, but he is certainly able to hold down the position. He's had a thumb issue this year. I think the hope is yeah. if he can get a full off season. I think they still have a lot of faith in him. O'Neal, I think there are more questions about mm-hmm. uh, long-term. I think I think they still feel pretty comfortable with Carlson. And listen, Jordan Walker, I think they're playing on him being in the right fielder next year. Yeah, so, uh, I would. would I'm yeah. in. I think that's the plan. And so I almost wish they would have started his transition from third base to right field a little earlier. Yeah. And we might see him right now because uh, because uh, as opposed to trying to push Corey Dickerson uh, out there like they're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the, that now that they're in, they're in the playoffs, there's going to be a weekend at Bush Stadium in the playoffs where Adam Wainwright, maybe, uh, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols will be playing uh, is – uh, I, I if like obviously after that everything is bonus time, but I think the idea that um, you've got to do it now to honor these guys, I feel like the honoring 
Like that's what next weekend's going to be. Everyone's going to get to say that they're like this was a successful season. This yeah. was a successful season. They won the division. This was a big thing for Arenado all year. Remember, he has an opt out after this year. I don't think he's going to take it, mm-hmm. but certainly. Uh, one of the the big thing he hit all year was I never won the division in Colorado. I want to win a division. A division, yep. and so they finally got one this year. Assuming that things don't completely collapse over mm-hmm. the next week and a half, yeah. and I think that was key to be able to get a division win, to be able to get that home series, and to be able to to, to extend it a little bit. Winning the World Series, I think this team, when it was peaking in August, I think you could maybe see it a little bit. Now you're kind of requiring Flaherty to be all the way back. You're requiring uh, – listen, their best starter uh, for the last month has been Quintana. And, Who's uh, been – right? This is the best year he's had since 2016. Yeah, it's really kind of terrific. Yeah. And and, uh, and it, it brings me a lot of joy too because this is the Quintana that the Cubs thought they were getting when they – Right? Jimenez. Yeah. So. I always love. I was. I. I don't. I, I have a lot of Cubs fans, friends, and, uh, and surprisingly, right. Yes. And uh, they, I always love to remind them every time that Eloy Jimenez does something. I want. I want him to hit fifty homers someday, just just to make Cubs fans sad. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, the point is, is that it's like Clive Torres' disappointment's been kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so the point is, is that at a certain level, I think they're over the top. I, th- I obviously, it's you know we all. In a regular postseason, everything feels like a dice roll. This year, in particular, because of that weird first series, and who knows what. I think if they'd have gotten a bye, then the ambitions might have been uh, pulled a little higher. But I think to be able to get in and have this opportunity, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's enough, but certainly it's hard not to feel like the season wasn't a success. Yes, I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. Especially going in, I think there was some trepidation, right? Are they going to give too many of these at-bats to the older guys? How is that going to pan out? Um, And obviously it's panned out extremely well. Those guys have certainly not been the Achilles heel. And certainly, you know, it's funny. And Molina has like been a miserable hitter really all year. And, you know, but it's so funny, like, the thing about Yachty, this is it's gonna be fun when we have the great Yachty or Molina Hall of Fame. Oh my God, I'm, go- I'm taking years. a sabbatical. Oh my gosh, I'm go- I I I of of the I I'll put I'll, I will tread carefully on this, but um, the Omar Vizquel thing was a tragedy and a really sad situation. It did relieve us from having to have that yes. fight over the over over that stretch. Uh, Yachty, I don't think obviously we'll have that situation with that, but it is worth noting that Yachty was you know Yachty was hurt for a while. He yep. went away to watch his basketball team. You know, it's kind of <laughs> a certain deal as one does. Once he got back regular, like that was an underrated aspect for in August when they got hot. Molina was back catching every day. He's still not hitting. Mm-hmm. He's still like the framing numbers are good. There's a lot you can't quantify, but the pitching, like again, uh, we all understand that these things are are difficult to quantify. It is also undeniable that this team really got it going when Molina was back catching every single day. Yeah. That's a question they're going to have to figure out this offseason because outside of Contreras, there really aren't any free agent catchers. That's a big thing they're going to have to figure out because they've relied on Molina for about 20 years now. And while Molina, it's hard to watch him hit Sometimes if he hits mm-hmm. it on the ground, I've always joked that the bases were loaded and Molina hit it on the ground. We could legitimately have a quadruple play. <laughs> like you could actually have one. So uh, uh, at a certain level, you don't want like the batting, the bat's not there, but uh, he, he's still there. All three of them are still contributing. And mm-hmm. I think that helps too. It's not, it's not like you're just watching. just, you're getting a, a honest, uh, honorary at bat. Uh, right. Once. So they're still all contributing to the team. Yes. Um, last Cardinals question. I'm sure people are sick of this by now. Do you have a Newt Bar jersey? Are you a team I, Newt Bar guy? I'm a team Newt Bar. I don't have okay. a Newt Bar jersey yet. I'm a team Newt Bar just because I'm not sure 
uh, I have to make sure I know a guy starting for a couple of years. Yeah. I've got a Walker jersey. I've got a Walker jersey. Ah, you're ready. He, he's from Georgia. He's from the Yeah, he Georgia. is from Georgia. So he's yeah. just around here. So And he's, he's a, a fascinating guy. He's like brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's really smart. Walker, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, he's, I, we are so excited about Jordan Walker. The whole I question think, about him back in the draft, too, is like incredible athlete, yeah. great kid, obviously very big. So was he really going to yeah. play third base? But it was like, can he hit? You know, he hadn't faced where he was from. He hadn't faced a lot of good pitching. Even the Cardinals at the time were like, well, we're taking a bet on the, the person and the athleticism and the upside. And then all he's ever done is hit. He hit yeah. the moment he started in pro ball, and he has basically not stopped. I mean, you saw the Futures game. Like, everyone mm-hmm. was like, who is this freaking guy? Yes. <laughs> That's very exciting to have a guy like that. It's been basically since probably Oscar Tavares. Yeah. The Cardinals have had any sort of prospect like that. And and Tavares, and obviously his, his death was tragic. There were also, you know, he, there was – they. There, there were growth issues with him, and there were mm-hmm. stuff that they were dealing with with him. Walker doesn't seem to have really any of those at all in a way that's uh, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, mm-hmm. as for Newbar, you know, my you know uh, my favorite piece of uh, factory about Lars Newbar, you know, his grandfather is like a Dutch billionaire, and I like what did not know this. He's like a Dutch billionaire, and he like what he like won the Ellis Island Award honor for like best contributions to the American society by an immigrant. It's he has a Wikipedia page. Like Lars Newbar, I, 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 I start I sometimes wonder when I watch Lars Newbar, who by the way Albert Pools adores. Oh. And if Pools does anything, Newbar is like the first guy he goes to. It's very strange. I keep I, every time I watch Newbar, I keep thinking this is a little bit like the uh, Royal Tannenbaums. Mm-hmm. He's from like this gene family of geniuses, and he just happens to be baseball, happens to be his thing. But in like 20 years, he's going to be president and talking about his time playing with Albert Pools and Nolan Arenado. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's talk. uh, We'll talk movies in a second, but I do want to talk books. So How Lucky was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, Like I said, robbed of all the awards. I also read the book that won the Pulitzers. I thought it was terrible. So I actually do. (laughs) do, I I don't know that yours was really in consideration, but I certainly would have voted for it over the Nanya. Well, we lost. We we, we got nominated for an Edgar. We also lost. It's the first time I've ever been nominated for an award at like Mm -hmm. a big ceremony. I was wearing a tux. I've never done that before. It was very exciting. And I've always, I've never, uh, uh, I've always like, whenever you people lose, 
I'm always like surprised that like they look upset because like for crying out, you're wearing a tux, you're nominated, this is amazing, you're there, and so it was like a two and a, two and a half hour ceremony, and there were some really nice speeches, some really wonderful books. I read all four of the other books nominated; mm -hmm. they're all really good. My mother let me know that she was very impressed that I was nominated next to those four really good books. Oh. It sounds a little bit like she didn't think I should have got nominated. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> Certainly but, that you shouldn't have won. <laughs> but so we got to the very end, and once I'm like, I can't believe my name's on this. That I, I don't even say in my name right now it's so cool and then they said another book that won mm -hmm. and i was like oh i got robbed like immediately just immediately you fall into it after mm -hmm. that i did not that's james kestrel's book and it's wonderful but uh uh there's a i i assume that's the only time that's ever going to happen right. i will go through a three-hour ceremony in a tux and lose so just so you know it's it's still fun the drinks are still free ah yes um so you have a new book coming out yes next may next tell us may. tell us about it it is, is i assume it is not a sequel it is not a sequel, though okay. it's set in the same universe. It's set cool. in the same universe. Uh, it is called The Time Has Come. It is also through uh, Harper, Harper Collins, which is probably how lucky it's through my same. Yeah, published both publisher. of my books, too. Yes, and they are uh, it's through Harper Books by editor Noah Eaker, who is also Buzz Bissinger's editor, by the way, in a, mm -hmm. in a fun twist. He has a new book called The Mosquito Bowl, by the way, which I would recommend to everyone out there. It's uh, about, a, about a, a football game played during World War II uh, that just, I can't recommend it enough. It's a very, very good book, but we're going to talk about my book first. Um, and the book, is, the book is called The Time Has Come. It is a novel. Uh, it takes place, uh, How Lucky takes place in roughly September 2019. This takes place also in Athens, Georgia, roughly June 2021. Um, and uh, the best way to describe it, it's inspired by um, the Robert Altman movie Shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Or if you haven't seen Shortcuts because it's unavailable for streaming, think Magnolia, which was actually inspired by Shortcuts. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically we follow seven people throughout the course of one day uh, where they're all leading inexorably up to uh, one dramatic moment where they are all um, together in the same room and something dramatic happens. I'll okay. put it that way. And uh, so it is, uh, we are working on the elevator pitch, uh, but uh, it, uh, it is, <laughs> It has been very fun to be able to do it. It's much more, it's it's about 125 pages longer than How Lucky. It's mm -hmm. much more ambitious. It's uh, yeah, How Lucky was told entirely first person. This is my first trip into the world of, of third person omniscient, typical writing, uh, so on. But I'm excited about it. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I think it's better than How Lucky. My editor thinks it's better than How Lucky. Wow. But he may just be saying that because uh, um, he, he's talking to me. That's true. He may not yes. feel that way. Oh, yes. We're still in edits. Last thing he's going to see, he's like, hey, keep working on the edits, but just so you know, you've taken a step backward here. Yes, right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think any that. editor should ever say that. No, that I don't. I don't really want to hear that. Speaking yeah, right. as a, as a, as a, you know, uh, nonfiction author. That is the last thing I want to hear. And I think I'd yeah. hate it more with fiction, at least with nonfiction. I'd be like, well, I can go get more facts, right? I can well, yeah, do more right. research. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with fiction, it's like, Oh no, now I have to have new ideas. I don't have those were all my idea my my idea bucket <laughs> yeah. is actually empty. I keep one next to the next to my uh, desk right here and it is it, empty, right? It is really about one of my favorite things about working in fiction. This is probably cuz how lucky I wrote on spec. I wrote it uh independently. I didn't show it to anyone. My editor bought it on like he read it the whole thing and bought it. This we was I pitched them the idea. We'd already this is a two book contract. I have one more another book due after this. They'll be out in uh, May twenty twenty four. And so uh, the goal is to do one of these every two years. So we're mm -hmm. so we actually kind of like constructed this project and kind of talked about what it would be. But I wrote this and like showed him pages as I was going on. It's been much more of a interactive and uh, like teamwork sort of process and collaborative, which has been really fun. But also it all it it it, it allows you to do one of my favorite things in fiction that I've never been able to do in nonfiction. 
which is if I come up with we I've come up with something at the a great ending or a great section at the end, mm-hmm. I can go back and fix all the stuff at the beginning and make it look like I planned it the whole time. Oh it's yes, my favorite part of fiction writing is the idea that like I can just make all the little puppet people do whatever I want them to do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very exciting. It's that is much easier than dealing with the unpredictable humans that make up real life. Unless um, I don't know if you've ever read At Swim Two Birds by Flan O'Brien, but it is oh. a metafictional novel where the characters rebel against the author. <laughs> so if that happens to you, then you yeah. might be in trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a few books away from being able to pull off the stuff like that. That was, <laughs> he drank a lot. I think that had to do with that. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't have any books about uh, my typewriter turning into a, in a bug and attacking. Right, yes, but that was me, my, that you, you remind me of the Muppet Show sketch that always freaked me out when I was little, which was the uh, Muppet news flash about, uh, or the newscast about man-eating furniture, and then the, the desk eats the newscaster, and then you, yeah. you uh, switch to the Muppet watching at home, and then yeah. the, like, the, TV stand eats the guy <laughs> watching it, and this extremely freaked me out yeah, when I yeah. was, you know, whatever, six years old. Oh my so. god, I'm sitting on a couch. Yes, oh, no. right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly, and I'm very small. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm much smaller than the uh, the Muppets. But yeah, so hope I'm very excited. About it. I'm, I'm probably will bug you again in May to be Absolutely. a full time guest to talk about. It. But it's very exciting. It is. Uh, uh, this has been a fun little kind of uh, not I wouldn't say late career, but mid career. Edition, you know, I still write about baseball. I write for New York Magazine. I still do all the things I regularly do. But uh, to be able to to go into like my my editor does not care about sports at all, mm-hmm. and like did not actually know I was a sports writer until after he had bought my book, <laughs> which right. I thought was really funny. That's and pretty so, funny. So it's yes. fun to be able. And this book is as a this book has a little bit probably even less connection to sports than the last book did. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to be able to kind of go and. Like just, I get to live different personalities, but I thought I, I, for me, I have to say, I will write about baseball as long as I get to write about baseball. It is, it is my, I don't know about you, if you still feel about this way about baseball, but like mm-hmm. I, it is, particularly when I'm doing edits on a book, it's really stressing me out to just sit and like write about a baseball series. I've been writing all these previews for the wild card series and I can't wait. I'm so excited. I love this stuff. I sometimes have to write about football and I'm like, okay. Okay, Brady, what is it? What are, what are people talking about? For baseball, I will write about baseball and I can die and live and die on the stat head section of baseball reference. It's my favorite place. I love, I'll love it forever. Yes, I love, um, I actually enjoy the playoffs more now that I'm not writing about them, where I can yeah. just watch and I can comment. And at The Athletic, we have various live blogs where if I actually have something to say, I can say it. But the pressure of writing something off each game or each series or previewing series is gone. And that's way better. Yeah, that definitely I get that. is a huge difference. For me. I get that. I get yeah. that. It's fun, and but it's, it's nice too. They let me pretend. Uh, sometimes I'll write like a Cardinal series preview, mm-hmm. and I'll be like the Cardinals, who are a baseball team, like all the other baseball teams. Some may be rooting for them, but not me. Yep, I'm just an impartial observer. Just a guy. Yeah. Fortunately, they cut. They edit all that out. Oh, that's good. Yes, <laughs> that's probably Absolutely. smart play. Um, so I, you also review movies for uh, a lot of them. For you do a lot of stuff for Paste. Why do you do rankings for Vulture? Mm-hmm. And you write some stuff for Paste. You also have a great podcast. One of the only podcasts I uh, re- listen to regularly, the Gerson and Leach Show, um, which involves some movie talk and yes, then a uh, lot of banter. A lot of Midwestern banter. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I have known Tim literally since we were twelve years old. So uh, uh, we have uh, a lot of shared in jokes in history. If you if you watch Saturday Night Live or Late Night with David Letterman between uh, nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety six, you will understand uh, the the show. And if not, you'll probably have no idea what we're talking. Yeah, about. I, I actually <laughs> I'm not Midwestern, but I am. Uh, 
what a, two years older than you, I yeah. think. And so I get all the jokes, most oh, of the good, jokes. Thank you. Thank you, yes, thank you. Thank <clears> I am you. clearly in the target audience. There. <laughs> good, good, good. So um, we are heading into the uh, peak movie season. We'll get Oscar talk and, um, you know, uh, don't worry, darling discourse, um, <laughs> yes. which I believe you guys reviewed that on this week's show. It'll be on. Uh, yeah, we just we just did yeah. that. One. So I haven't listened. I'm one episode yeah. behind. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was listening to you where you were talking about seeing. Was it Barbarian? in Barbarian. A movie theater next yeah. to a, between a Dick's Sporting Good and a Poke restaurant or something. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, OK, that's pretty random with four other people in the theater. <laughs> yeah. And two of the uh, a couple at like 1115 at night. And I don't want to say anything about the movie The Barbarian, but I kind of talked about this in the podcast. But listen, I know that particularly during the pandemic, people have stayed home to watch movies a lot. I personally, as someone that loves movies, mm -hmm. uh, uh, always find it strange that people are more willing to invest in like a 10 hour TV show than a two hour movie. It's always a little bewildering to me. Yes. Um, but I, you know, for me, the experience of going to the movies, I, I'll watch movie at home, movies at home. Uh, if there's a good movie, I'm happy to watch it at home. But, you know, I know that I actually know people that are our age or, or younger. They're like, yeah, I don't think I've been to a movie theater in a year and a half or two years. And I get mm -hmm. it. I totally understand it. And I totally understand. But I will say, seeing the movie Barbarian, which I will be careful about any spoilers about it, mm -hmm. but it is a horror movie but I would argue it's a horror movie that has maybe some stylistic and thematic similarities to like almost like a 90s Tarantino knockoff movie. It's a, uh, it's a lot of different things at once, but I knew nothing about it going in and I know in my theater knew anything about it going in and it reminded me how much I love going to theaters and having this kind of communal experience with strangers and right. the idea that like, we went through something together seeing that mm -hmm. movie. I highly recommend that movie because you will go through the same thing because you'll go through the same kind of twists and turns. And it's different than watching it at home. Like, and not, and not just because you can pause it or go to the bathroom or fold laundry. There is something about being in the room with other people that you do not know. Right. That you are, all of you go through this thing together. And a movie like Barbarian reminded me of how much I love that. And so I, I, I've been relieved to see the people are going back to movies. You see Top Gun was the big, obviously the big hit on this, but you're seeing more enthusiasm for people getting out to theaters. For all the talk about Don't Worry Darling, it did pretty well at the box office. The Woman yeah. King the Woman King did terrific at the box office. People are actually starting to go back and see movies again. I highly, highly recommend it. I know everything streams really fast anymore and we can do all that and I get it. You, I, I, the night out of a great movie is remains one of my truly great escapist experiences. Yes, I um, do kind of miss doing that. We've done it a couple, just a couple of times, um, but I miss that being sort of more a yeah. re regular thing to do. I, I think we're gonna have to, we're, at our age. We're gonna have to wait till our children go to college. Like my, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, my dad, my dad, my parents are retired, and they have seen more movies in a the movie theater in the last five years than they probably did the 15 years before him because they're, they're not responsible for anyone anymore. And it's like that or a nap, you walk the dog. Okay, let's go <laughs> see Elvis. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. I understand there's a time commitment. I understand that, but uh, I, uh, I, 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 just, I can't get enough. I, it's something that it means uh, a lot to me. And you know, the thing about movies is, Roger Ebert has this great line about movies, saying uh, uh, the movies are a machine that generates empathy. 
Yes. And I Great always love line. that line because it really it's about that idea that you can go into a movie theater and go to a different place or, or live a different life or, or see the world through someone's eyes that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do before. And you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I, in a way, I think it's harder when you're streaming television or watching at home. So sure. there, there, there's my uh, uh, so regal cinemas. Get back to the movies, America. Sorry, advertisement. advertisement right? I don't know if that lives up to Nicole Kidman AMC no, no, ad, no. though. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, oh, yeah, no. Is there something from this fall slash winter you're either particularly looking forward to seeing? And it doesn't be have, have to because you think it's good. You could want to see a disaster or a curiosity yeah. or something you've already seen. Maybe you haven't reviewed it yet, but that you are like excited for it to get out in the world for other people to see. Uh, I'm a, I will confess I'm one of those people but uh, I did not like Mother Darren Aronofsky's last movie you convinced not, me not to see it yes, because uh, of the because of what they eat shall we say yes, at the yes, end of the there, movie there, there's yeah. a moment there's a moment in the movie listen this is the thing that I think anyone that's a parent um, I always think of the great um, um, Scarlett Johansson movie Under the Skin which is oh, yeah. a terrific movie but there is a scene in that movie involving a child in peril that is actively difficult to I was talking to my friend uh, Jason Gay who writes for the Wall Street Journal oh yeah of course and at, at the time he was doing he was just about to do a feature for GQ on Scarlett Johansson around that movie and he saw they have a screening of the movie and he had like I think a six month old at the time mm-hmm. and he, he said he said it was so hard for me not to spend the 15 first 15 minutes of the interview yelling at her for making a movie where a child was in peril right and it wasn't her fault and it was fine of course but I understand that <laughs> mother did that for me I, I wonder if I would feel differently about it now. I think I'm. My children are older. It's gonna. It's harder to eat them now. I'll just put it that way. It's harder, <laughs> harder to eat them. And so, um, uh, so, but Aronofsky's a filmmaker that I, even when I don't like his movies, I love it when a movie goes for broke. That's one of the things I like about Barbarian. It's one of the things that movie, like a movie that's on Netflix now called Athena, uh, which yep. I liked more than Grierson. Um, but I like a movie that. Like you only like I feel like this kind of way about my next book, right? I got really ambitious about it because I don't have, know how many books I'm going to get to write. I, 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 you know, I'm 40, 46 years old. Uh, I don't. Hopefully, they'll let me write another one after this one. But maybe they, maybe we don't sell enough, and that's it. I love a film filmmaker that pours everything into a movie as if they don't have any more movies to make. And right. Aronofsky is a great filmmaker like that. Even when it doesn't work, he goes for broke. And he has a movie coming out called The Whale, which stars uh, yes. uh, Brendan Fraser. Yep. Uh, who won one of the and Sadie Sink. And Sadie Sink, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm excited about that movie. Uh, anything he does is always really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about uh, Amsterdam, which is David O. Russell's uh, new movie, which is coming yep. out. Very uh, soon. David o- very soon, like the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, David O. Russell is a filmmaker who can be indulgent, I would say. Uh, and I'm going to bet this one does not feature Bradley Cooper doing a Louis C.K. impression like ah. his last movie did. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to bet that's changed. Uh, but at a certain level, I think uh, uh, you know that, that any any big swing like that, like listen, I didn't like. Don't worry, darling. But any movie. That like that's an original film based off an original screenplay. It's not a sequel to a comic book movie. Right. It's an existing property. It is people trying to tell a story, uh, talented people trying to tell a, an ambitious story in a new way. This is the type of time of year where you actually get to see those. Yep. And so it's exciting for me. Armageddon time, which is James Gray's new movie, uh, which has Jeremy Strong uh, in it. It actually has uh, Donald Trump's father as a character, mm. which I think should be uh, should be and his sister. That's the judge. 
I think are minor characters about growing up in Queens uh, in the 80s that I think will be really, really interesting. I'm really excited about that movie. Anthony Hopkins in that movie as well. This is the time. And of course, Spielberg has his Fablemans movie, which is the one everyone's really excited about. Yes. That did really, really well in Toronto. So this is the time of year. To, like, this is my favorite time of year for movies because uh, I, I, I'm excited to see Wakanda forever. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, absolutely. I'm excited that there's nothing wrong with, with those movies, but you get to see some new, ambitious, daring stuff, and that's always exciting. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I am looking forward to, I think, all of those movies. Um, yeah. Also, I will say uh, nothing excites me more than there's a Knives Out sequel. And yeah. so far, people who have seen it seem to like it even more than the original. Yeah. I thought the original was amazing. That is absolutely straight <laughs> into my veins. Oh, it, yeah. You know, I love I still I read the vast majority of Agatha Christie's novels. I read a lot of um, noir stories, detective stories, whether it's mystery or hard-boiled, but when they're witty and kind of stylized, like, yeah, 100%, I'm just in. Like, Chris Pine's character shooting off sort of bon mal the entire way, I'm like, yeah. yep, I, I don't care. I know this is going to annoy a lot of people. I'm completely in for it. And when it's, I... Yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead. No, it's fun. It's fun to see this kind of turn for Ryan Johnson. I, I, as, as I've mentioned before, as we've been, if you, for those of you who have listened to the Grist and Leach podcast, Tim and I have known Ryan. Ryan went to college with Tim. They went to film school together. And I've lived in Los Angeles right after I graduated from, from college. So we all used to... I remember the, like the three of us and two other people went to go see Fargo on opening night and then went to uh, went to a diner and like talked about it for like three hours so my fa- one of my favorite movie experiences is to talk about movies with these really really smart people to watch Ryan's career and the turns obviously like I remember being so proud of him and excited for him when he made The Last Jedi and watching it being like oh my god he did it yep. everyone is gonna love this there's gonna be no <laughs> debate about this at all yeah. and obviously um, but to see see the kind of the way that he has done he's like you know what he, all of his stuff is all kind of about like those those genres that you're talking about like right. loving mysteries or loving film noirs or loving these kind of old westerns and may and putting a new kind of fun witty spin on them mm-hmm. yeah i'm excited about the knives out thing too i still can i i, I can't figure out what daniel craig's accent is i don't care no, I don't I, care. But, but I it definitely gets in my brain. I can't figure out it. Foul play. Yeah, I'm like, like, yep, it's this is like, great. Yeah, it's great. It's Foghorn Leghorn was French. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I guess is the, is the way it would go. Yeah, but it was perfect, right? That's what I yeah. love. You know, it's like I, I always say, if you like Agatha Christie uh, novels or stories, you are probably either a Poirot person or yeah. a Marple person and one or the other, right? You might like yeah. both. I'll read them all. I've read her Tommy and Tuppence and some of her one-offs. I'm a Poirot guy. I just am. He's an obnoxious little ass. And yeah. I think he's That's such a great character. That's the fun yeah. of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like they made, what's his name? Benoit something. He's a character. Like really yeah. in the more colloquial sense, that guy's a character. He is. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's perfect. Like I want, I haven't seen See How They Run. I haven't seen Amsterdam, but I know those are sort of in the same yeah. general yeah. space. Like I want that. I want yeah. characters that are a little more, you do that in that kind of movie. You do that in a serious drama and we're all like, well, that's lazy. That's yeah. a two dimensional character here. It's like, no, lean into that. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to uh, one thing that Ryan is really good at is recognizing the direction things are going and having and how these things are circular right like like 20 years ago there were no one was making murder mysteries right like like, like why do you think clue was the only one right oh my god for like 25 years and so i think that recognizing that like particularly in a time now where i think those fall in those things 
that are both nostalgic but also still feel new in a way that is both like comforting but also challenging and i think it's a it's a smart idea and uh, the first one was good and i'm excited about the second one i also hear there's a ton of cameos in it none of them none of which have been spoiled for me yet mm-hmm. i'm a little wary yeah i'm always a little wary you don't want to go too far in that right uh but uh, i th- ryan's a smart guy i think he'll, i think he'll probably handle those right yes and i'm with you on the last jedi in fact i liked it enough that i still haven't seen the whatever the one ad was the rise oh, of skywalker or something oh my goodness oh, yeah my, like even if you even if you i like i'll put it this way i i don't we all have our cultural barometers and of course I'm a, I'm not a Star Wars diehard. I just like good movies, and right. Jedi's a really good movie. Yeah, and uh, I, we all have our markers of of how what if we know what kind of people we're going to hang out with, right? And what we're going to get along with. If you think Last Jedi is worse than Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. we're probably not going to be friends. <laughs> probably not going to be friends. It's probably the best way to put it. Yes, and I'm a Star Wars guy. Like, I had yeah. the C-3PO carrying case as a kid, and I okay. had the Death Star with the thing you could turn. You put the with the foam yeah. trash, and you would turn it. Like, I, had, I was all in. Uh, my daughter and I have watched like the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars yeah, yeah, series, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But what like I liked Mandalorian. I watched one episode of the Book of Boba Fett, and I was like, I think I'm okay. I think yeah. I'm I think I'm good not knowing any more about Boba Fett. Actually. I have to say, I feel like that. Like you know, I do understand why people are concerned with the saturation of the Star Wars universe right oh my now. God. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, listen, I, the, the excitement for to see that Force Awakens trailer the first time and to see when the Millennium Falcon yeah. comes up yep. and when Han Solo comes back and says, we're back, like, uh, uh, it's wonderful. Like, yeah. I, as someone that's not a heavy Star Wars person, felt that rush that everyone felt with that. And I think Last Jedi then turned and did something kind of interesting with that. Now it's all IP. And it's all, you know, it's all extending the brand in a way that is, uh, it's starting to feel a little uh, panting a little bit uh, in a way that is, uh, like the idea, if you told me 10 years ago that, Mm -hmm. hey, you're going to see a scene where Darth Vader fights Obi-Wan and and, and you're going to, and I would not even care or like look to follow right. it up like we saw in that obi-wan show i think that's that's probably a bad sign that, right uh, yeah that we would get to that point we're at, the po- we're at the point now where there's some like a nameless ewok from return of the jedi who's getting his own origin story and it's <laughs> yeah. already been like green lighted for season two like, it's, it's sh- enough yeah and like the, i mean for me the big, big, best example of this they did like a cgi younger luke skywalker yeah like luke skywalker on, on one of the streaming shows on uh, mandalorian luke, yeah, yeah and luke skywalker is like, I just kind of feel like Luke Skywalker is someone that, like, you got to use him sparingly. Yeah. Like, you got to use him Yeah, right. Don't wheel that one out. Sparingly. Yeah. Right. And, and I feel like that kind of speaks to, you know, you can you can, you can can kill the Golden Goose in a lot of ways. I, yeah. think they, I think they've kind of done that. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, my guest today has been the great three-time guest, three-time. Will Leach. Do I get a yes. smoking jacket? Do I get a smoking jacket? You get a key on five. You get a key to the executive washroom. All right, awesome, fantastic! Yes. I'm very excited. Is that, yeah. is that is that the one behind? I'm we're on Zoom. I'm looking behind you. I, that looks well, that's like a mirror, mirror actually, oh, which goes okay. nowhere. So yeah, okay, no, well, no. I'm okay. actually trapped in this room. For <laughs> that's, that's great. That's, yes. I was wondering. I was wondering what the existential peril in dread yep. was. Nope, nope. I got to go out this window <laughs> if I want to leave. <laughs> yes, you can buy Will's book, How Lucky, which came out 
in May of 21. Anywhere you buy books, I always recommend bookshop.org or your local independent bookstore. His new book, which by the way, HarperCollins site still lists as Untitled Will Leach Novel. Um, <laughs> but, but it that, is called The Time Has Come. It is and, called it, the time and it comes out in May of next year. And you can yeah. find Will. You are William F. Leach on Twitter. I know you don't tweet yes. very much because you're smart. <laughs> I'm just I'm just scared of all of you. Yeah, you're smart. Actually, it's worse every day. Yeah, I just, it's just, I'm just, uh, I, I, it was funny. Someone, someone's asked me to promote something the other day, and they said, "So we know you don't really promote much." I'm like, "Yeah," because when I tweet and then I put my phone away, I get terrified that I did a bad tweet and everyone's yelling at me. Oh, absolutely. And that, that, so that, and that's that, that fear overweighs anything I might have to say. Yeah, uh, completely understandable. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining. Of course, my pleasure. Thanks, man. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Just want to say I appreciate everyone who reached out, offer kind words and well wishes uh, as I did finally succumb to COVID a couple of weeks ago. Succumb meaning I actually got COVID for the first time. I'm not dead, at least not that I'm aware of. And uh, I appreciate all of that. I uh, got through it pretty well, actually. I would say the benefit of being completely vaccinated or at least as much as I could have been at that point. I also have now gotten a booster and a flu shot a little probably late for the booster, but still. I survived, um, and other than having a cough for a couple extra days, it went okay. Could have gone much worse, certainly. So thank you for all of that, and I'll be back next week with another show. Take care. Stay safe. Stay safe.